0: It is Locked on Jazz for the 10th of October. We get a little look at the scrimmage. What were the takeaways? The first cut is made. The roster stands where? And we predict the Western Conference. The number one seed is what? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. ba dum bum 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 You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice for the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jazz your first Listen of the day. We are free and available on this podcasting app or all podcasting apps, or if you're listening on YouTube, thank you very much. Please subscribe and on YouTube hit the bell that gives you a notification of when the show is gonna drop every day. Fun one today. We had the scrimmage yesterday. I went and rewatched it. It was not what I was hoping for. I'd be really curious to know whether it was what Will Hardy was hoping for. There's you can view those scrimmages in kind of one of two ways if you're the jazz. One is that, hey, let's not get anybody hurt. And then number two is let's go really get something out of it. This one, as I rewatched the particularly the first game, felt a lot like let's not get anybody hurt. Um, I did think it was interesting. They kind of originally had planned it to go an hour. Will went longer. And then in the third game, I thought when I rewatched, everyone got tired, which was probably exactly what Will wanted to coach through. Um, I did pull one play early. In the scrimmage, that I want to share with you, so we'll do that here in a second. Um, Saban Lee got cut this week. We added um, another player who um, it does not sound like he's on an Exhibit Ten, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, though I, th- I think he's G- going to be end up being a Stars G League player, um, and uh, who was on he was on our summer league team last year, so I'm expecting that he'll be on our uh, our Vegas summer league team, and. Uh, So that happens. So uh, we'll go through the roster. And then for those who are unaware of points gained, uh, points gained is my offensive metric system that I have built that evaluates the efficiency of players. It values your ability to get a a shot off, which I think is actually a really big skill. And then your ability to use those possessions efficiently and uh, projects how the possessions will be used on a team, gets every team to about 100 possessions, which is too many because um, it doesn't count for turnovers and things like that, but over the course of the year, it's kind of how you average out. Um, it tells us a few different things, usually. Um, one of the things it usually tells us is if there's any teams that's going to have some possible chemistry issues with not enough balls to go around, not enough shots to go around. And then number two is it um, ranks. we rank the offensive teams in the Western Conference, and we're going to do that. Um, Today, the Jazz, surprisingly, for this roster, come in 12th in the Western Conference. Uh, I have not done the East yet. I'll do that tonight or tomorrow. Um, But 12th in the Western Conference offensively, as the roster is constructed right now, which was, to me, a little bit surprising um, that that happened. And and we'll dig into why and then what it says. So let's get first to... um, We've been kind of wondering... You know, there's been this kind of questions. What what are we going to see? Um, I can't, unfortunately, I can't pull video from a game and put it on this show. Um, it's illegal, um, but I can pull it from a YouTube uh, scrimmage. So I was really hopeful that I'd get a bunch of sets from the U- from the scrimmage, which the Jazz put up at their YouTube account, and be able to pull them for you and say, "Hey, like, look at this." So I didn't get a bunch. Um, the scrimmage, to me, when I rewatched it as I just said, felt a little bit like, hey, let's not get hurt. Um, and also just didn't seem to have structure. It's almost as though, frankly, Jordan on one of the opening possessions shoots like a big, deep, long three to try to, like on the first possession to try to wow the crowd. Then Rudy Gay jacks a three right after that. It was almost as though that set the tone for that whole first game. And then transition defense, which is probably where you can get hurt, was fairly laxed. Um, and so there just wasn't quite that regular structure that i think will hardy would want to see in a regular game which makes sense because you don't want anyone to get hurt and you're playing each other um but it, it felt like some of that was lacking it, it picked up later in games when the score got closer because you're keeping score for a reason and that's been a whole thread of camp for will hardy is that we you know you want competition and, and they're going to learn to bomb through competition which is a really interesting like it's a good approach um so here's one of the sets that I think was interesting and I, and I wanted to share with you. So let's let's watch through it um, as they come down. And, and there's a few things I wanted to share. So this is just a basic, if you look, the first thing is we're playing five out. So there's no big man in the middle. There's no high pick and roll coming from a big man. This is when they have Vanderbilt. This is the starting five. Um, or what was the starting five in Portland? I don't know that's the starting five for the season. But So here we have it. And so you first thing you're getting is a guard interchange between... Conley and Clarkson. If you're not on YouTube uh, with us, I'm going to try to do this in a way that you, you can still understand it. So we're five out, which means five out means that there's nobody inside the paint. All five offensive players are playing outside the three point line. It creates huge space and driving lanes for guys like Colin Sexton, um, for Mike Conley, uh, for Jordan Clarkson. It's really interesting. And when you have good shooters like Markkinen, and when you have good shooters like a Linux and you have you can do this, and so the Jazz start the possession with with five out. Um, now Vanderbilt's the non-shooter on the floor, so how do you how do we deal with this? So the first thing we have is just a guard interchange um, between Conley and Clarkson. It's just that's really almost kind of dressing. Um, and here's the first action: Clarkson goes over and sets a comes rubs off a Vanderbilt pick to the wing and the pass goes to Vanderbilt. And we're seeing Jared do a lot of this where he's got the ball in his hands. And now when you have a ball in your hands, you have gravity and this opens up the jazz offense because Vanderbilt's the non-shooter. The minute he has the ball, the most famous example of this was the heatles, with Eric Spolster putting the ball in Dwayne Wade's hands all the time because Wade was the non-shooter in the group, so he had to guard Wade. And then when they had Chris Bosh and Shane Battier and Ray Allen and LeBron James on the floor, the floor became wide open um, because you had to guard. So um, nice job here actually by Nikhil Alexander-Walker who jumps the outside shoulder of, the inside shoulder of Mike Conley and kind of prevents a handoff coming back to him eventually. Um, but So here's Vanderbilt, and then marketing comes around. You can kind of see everything's at three-quarters speed, which is how I felt re-watching this scrimmage. Uh, marketing comes now for a handoff. So here you just have it's kind of an early indicator of what our offense is. It's run, it's five out. Um, within the first, you know, six seconds of talking about this, four guys have touched the ball. The only guy who hasn't is a Um You have Vanderbilt playing almost the role of Draymond with some handoffs from the center position. Um, I don't want to say that he's, you know, that kind of, Ball mover yet. And then you have Markinen, who's now coming off this dribble handoff to make the first kind of initiation drive into the lane. And this is what I've talked about. One of my early observations of a Will Hardy offense has been the fact that kind of continually seeing the three with a lot of ball handling with the guard spaced, which is pretty cool when you consider the three guys on the roster that are plus 40% catch-and-shoot guys are Sexton, Conley, and Beasley. And so if you can initiate the early action and collapse the defense with someone other than them, then you still have them out there as, as a shooter. So here came Marketing in the lane. They switch it and cut it off. And so you now flare back to Vanderbilt, who's going to be always be open because they're not guarding him. Kessler's backed off him. And conduct. And we're right back at five out again. So very quickly no one kind of marketing doesn't retreat back to spacing. Vanderbilt puts it on the deck and drives and actually gets to the rack. He's just not a particularly good finisher yet in his career. Um, this will be something he needs to develop, which is going to be the really exciting part of this whole season is all of these guys developing. I'll touch on that some more. And that's he actually draws the foul in the play. So I thought that was a that was kind of when I went and rewatched last uh the scrimmage last night. Th- those were the kind of plays I was hoping to find to be able to show you some of the things that we've been doing offensively. There weren't as many as I would have hoped. Um, that was pr- particularly in game one. It was pretty free-flowing. Um, there was a lot of Butler. was interesting is Jared Butler ran the pick-and-roll with Walker Kessler nicely, uh, which, you know, maybe when Jared Butler's in the game, we suddenly go back to a pick-and-roll, or more when Walker Kessler's in the game, we're going to go back more to a kind of traditional big um, on a pick and roll. So that was that was interesting. Um, the first cut was made, it was Saban Lee. And so here's where we sit. Our guards that we know are going to be on the team, there's probably six of them right now. And they are Conley, Sexton, Clarkson, Beasley, Abaji, and Fonsecchio. That's six. There's three wings that I think we're pretty certain are going to be on the team. Markkanen, Taylor Horton Tucker, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Kelly Alinek, Jarrett... Vanderbilt and Walker Kessler, were pretty certain. So that's 12. So now we're suddenly into three roster spots for the remaining um, six guys that are there. So that's Jared Saban Lee got cut. So that's Jared Butler, who would be the really natural third guard, point guard in the group. Alexander Walker can handle and plays that position a little bit. Um, but, you know, and also with the prospect of possibly other trades being made along the way. Um, Jared Butler seems like he's in fairly good standing um, right now. Balmero is a player that is, uh, you know, we have two more years of control on him. So he feels like he's in fairly good standing, but it's a numbers crunch here. We've got a lot of good players. Saban Lee is good. Like Saban Lee was the standout, the highlight maker of the, of the uh, training camp, or of the scrimmage with two monster dunks. Wow, sorry, I just looked to my right. And the moon is incredible. Wow, squirrel, but that is really one of the most beautiful. The moon over the colors in Park City, Utah today is one of the most beautiful things I've seen. Um, Wow, sorry, did not see that yet this morning. And um, hey, got to take a second for nature and beauty. Uh, So then, Balmero's really interesting to me. I I really, really like his game. Uh, I love, uh, he just plays right, he moves it. He gets where he wants to with the dribble. He's not a good rim finisher yet, but there was a nice play in the scrimmage late where he went up and actually just instead of trying to dipsy do or do this, he just went up and finished. Um, he is not. He's you know he's been a questionable shooter throughout his career, even um, back in Argentina. Uh, but he's still so young. He's so long. I, there's just a lot of routes for guys that are six six two ten to make their way in our league um, in the NBA. Sorry, I hate it when people say that. Um, so I I I really like Balmero. Um, and maybe, you know, I don't think it's a Balmero or Butler question, but maybe it is. Uh, then it's a Rudy Gay or Stanley Johnson. And Like, if you simplify this a little bit and decide that we have six, three spots left and we have six guys, you can decide it's a little bit of a Butler-Balmero question, Rudy Gay-Stanley Johnson question, Cody Zeller-Doka-Azabuke question. The one wild card here is that marketing can slide down and play... And either the four or the five, he's playing at the three. But you have Vanderbilt, you have Kessler, you have Olenek, you have Markkinen. So all of those guys can play the five if necessary on the roster. We are definitely you know a little thin at the four um, with a lot of wing players right now. So the roster situation is going to get 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 interesting um, here. And we've got you know games on Tuesday and Friday for guys to make their their final statements. Um, about that. today's sh- coming up, we're going to break down the Western Conference. The number one seed is who? It would be the fifth straight year in which the Western Conference has a new number one seed. And the number one offense in the West? I think that's surprising as well. So, today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Chevy. Located in Woods Cross, also in Logan, the Chevy lineup of trucks—it's just outstanding. It's a great time of year to get that truck or SUV. There's all sorts of incentives to do that uh, for you. Get that big car at the end of the year. Uh, the Colorado and the Silverado are the tr- um, is the truck lineup. The Silverado is the big one, and it is. When I've driven it, it has been just awesome. The new 2020 Silverado 1500 is all souped up and looks awesome. And then you're just driving it. It is the smoothest ride. The Colorado is the zippier, kind of uh, more versatile truck. Uh, and by the way, there is, it is truck season, so a $1,000 accessory allowance toward the purchase of a new Silverado 1500 a Silverado HD or a Colorado. And the SUV lineup at Chevy is outstanding. That exists uh, with the Equinox, the Trax, and the Utah Ca- County Assault Vehicles. We know well the Tahoe and the Suburban. If you're going to stop by, feel free to email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. And we'll give you the VIP treatment over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross as well. As in Logan. Today's show also brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for a small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team free and faster. I'm not sure which of those two is even more important. Um... You add your job, the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. And simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates just the right skills and experience so you can uh, quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. We used it for two recent hires at Lockdown. LinkedIn jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and free. So post your job at free at linkedin.com slash nba. That's linkedin.com slash nba to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen, there is Locked On NBA each and every day. 30 minutes recap of the biggest stories. And this year we'll be launching game-to-game once the season starts as well. Similar version of game-to-game up on NFL right now. Um, Kind of some great stuff uh, for you there on the NFL content as well. All right, so let's get into the predictions. So points gained is an offensive metric system that I've built over the years that evaluates, as I said, the ability to get your shots off, And uh, your efficiency as a player. And then for the season predictions, we take them. We figure, we, allocate. We me, myself, and I. I use Kevin Pelton's minutes projections. Off that, I project how many shots each guy's going to get. And possessions, scoring opportunities used. And I use 100. It's high. You usually don't get 100 scoring opportunities a game. But by the time some guys miss games and things average out, that becomes kind of the right number. The first thing that happens when I do this is whether or not there's a roster that has just too many possessions. And the Clippers, I think, are going to have a little bit of a dance this year. The Clippers came out of everyone used their average possessions. The Clippers came out as the highest possession usage team, amount of possessions used of any team I've ever had ever in probably the eight to ten years, now eight years that we've done this, ever. Now, it's a little misleading because John Wall was at 19, But you suddenly look down on the average amount of scoring opportunities a player uses during a game, and Zubak is at 8, and Powell is at 16, and Luke Kennard's at 10, and Nicholas Batum's at 7, and Terrence Mann's at 9, and Robert Covington's at 7, and Marcus Morris is at 14, and Paul George is at 23, and Reggie Jackson's at 17, and Kawhi Leonard's at 20, and John Wall's at 20. Now, John Wall's probably not going to be 20. But it's worth keeping an eye on that if this team's actually gonna work, Zubak's gotta use three possessions less than he did out of his eight. That's a 40% decrease in possessions for Zubak. Norman Powell, who got 16 possessions a game last year, probably only gets or scoring opportunities, probably only gets 10. He's not gonna like that. That's a nearly 50% decrease. Luke Kennard goes from using 10 scoring opportunities a game down to six. Robert Covington goes from, or Nicholas Batum from 7 to 4. Terrence Mann, who still wants to prove himself and make money, goes from 9 to 7. Robert Covington supposed to go from 11 to 6. This is the first thing that jumped out to me, is that as much as I love the Clippers and everybody else does, this is a problem. Because even John Wall, who's at 19 or 20, just goes to 6, playing part-time, it's still an issue. Paul George's at 21. Kawhi Leonard, I have down from 20 to 19. But every guy in this team is going to have to sacrifice 30 to 50% of their possession used. Now, you sit guys, you do a bunch of things like that to try to make it, but it's it's this is worth watching on the Clippers. The other thing that's interesting on the Clippers is that Reggie Jackson, Paul George last year, and then John Wall overall were so poor that they don't come out very well in my system. Now, Paul George is a little bit misleading I think because Paul George took a massive collapse in his offensive efficiency last year with that elbow injury um from what he was before one of and and it's going to be difficult to tell you know so he's I think Paul George is the one to watch last year we came on this and kind of this was the first place I think you heard that the Lakers might not be good last year that was like our big takeaway um, last year was that the Lakers were g- going to not be a good team, offensive team, that they were going to be playing in the playing game. Everyone thought I was insane. It was perfectly right. Two years ago, by the way, I'm just bragging right now. Two years ago, we uh, had the Phoenix Suns and the Utah Jazz at the top of the list, and no one thought that was possible. Um, so I I think, you know, let's watch. Paul George is the key player to this. Is With all their depth um, and everything else, it is still he's going to be their second biggest possession user. And Paul George two years ago was a 1.0 points gained. And last year was a negative 1.2 points gained. So if you change Paul George to a um, 1.0 from a negative 1.2, then all of a sudden um, the Clippers take a pretty significant jump in where they rank offensively. And I think that's, you know, it's worth keeping an eye on um, to see. So that's the first one that jumped out to me was that the Clippers... Um, ended up with a, um, you know, ended up, I think, with a, uh, that was just a, you know, really a poor year from Paul George, and and that's going to be the one to watch um, for them. Here's the impact of Paul George, just to be completely specific. So right now the Clippers come out as ninth in the league in the Western Conference offensively. If Paul George gets back to where he is, he come, they come out fourth in the Western Conference offensively. So that's that's the big one to watch on them is Paul George. That's the that's kind of the injury line that was probably bigger than any other. If we see anything change. So here's where the Western Conference sits. The number one offense. The the other two teams by the way that have possession issues. The Lakers are at 130. Which means everyone's got to take like a 30% decrease. We'll see whether that happens. Uh, Minnesota is at 120. That's in the danger zone. I think they are in the danger zone to see how they're going to use their possessions um, this year. When when you look at it, Carl Anthony Towns at 19. I still have him at 19. Um, Rudy Gobert at 10 last year or 11 last year. I still have him at 11. Uh, Anthony Edwards at 22. Still have him at 22. Uh, D'Angelo Russell last year at 17. I have him at 16. So they're main guys, but like somebody like Jaden McDaniels, who I think is expecting to suddenly go from eight scoring opportunities a game to probably 13 or 14 so he can prove himself, is not. He's holding, and all of their bench guys, Kyle Anderson, Torian Prince, all Jalen Noah, well, all have to drop down. Not catastrophic the way it could be for some teams, but worth keeping an eye on. The Lakers will be interesting. I think they'll be fine. Um, They're just not going to play. Some like Lonnie Walker, Tuscana Anderson. Some of those guys are just going to get left out of the rotation. Um, The one that will be interesting is I have Russell Westbrook dropping from 18 possessions to 15 possessions a game, and that dramatically changes the Lakers. If you put them him back up to 18, and you know drop Dennis Schroeder down, or someone of the Schroeder's not particularly positive either, um, then all of a sudden. The Lakers drop, but if Russell Westbrook actually takes three, they play him less, use him less, they'll actually win uh, more games. So let's get to it. Uh, the number, the only other team I would mention, by the way, is New Orleans. Uh, they have 125. So that one's kind of keep an eye on early. Um, and I think that actually heads a lot part to Violent Chunis, who was at 15 possessions a game last year. He's now going to be, I think, around nine was Zion coming back. How does he deal with that? 20 for Brandon scoring opportunities for Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum, 21 for Zion. Um, and, and so everyone's got to suddenly you know give up possessions to Zion. All right, the number one offense in the Western Conference is the Denver Nuggets by a large margin. It's actually not super close. Um, Denver comes out as four points over a hundred possessions better than anybody else in the Western Conference. That same gap is number two to about number 11. So Denver just comes out mammothly better than anyone else in the Western Conference. Um, They just, all their players are positive. For those who've been, the only guy who's not is Ish Smith. Um, For those of you who have been around, one of the key things to my metrics here is that you just got to have every single one of your players being above average. Below average offensive players will just kill you. The number two offensive team in the Western Conference is the Minnesota Timberwolves. The number three offensive team is the Phoenix Suns. The number four is the L.A. Clippers, if Paul George returns to form of two years ago. But otherwise, it's the New Orleans Pelicans. And this is interesting. Number five is the L.A. Lakers. So the Lakers, this is assuming the Clippers are not number four or they're six. So the Lakers, who last year came out of this so badly... Actually come out, their little adjustments they made around their roster this year, they actually come out much, much better. Sacramento comes in at 7. I'm assuming the Clippers are at 4 here. Sacramento comes in at 7. Golden State at 8, which is surprising. Um, And I'm sure they'll get over it. But Clay wasn't that efficient last year. Um, And I have increased time for Kaminga and Moody and Wiseman, and none of them are efficient. Number 9 is Portland. Portland. Number ten is Dallas. That was a stunner to me, um, and this one's worth watching. Usually, these numbers uh, tell a little bit of a story on this on these player on these teams when you suddenly add one of these players or add things. Um, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. returning does not help them. Would be probably the first one. Luca was not particularly efficient last year. Jalen Brunson was, so that's a little bit of a loss. Maxi Kleber, Davis Bertans, oh. All, Spencer Dinwiddie all had negative efficiency years. Last year didn't feel like it during the playoffs, but they did during the regular season. Um, and so their projections are all there. So keep an eye on Dallas. Memphis comes in at 11. My system struggles with da- with Memphis the same way it always has with Denver because of offensive rebounding um, and extra possessions that they get. So that's probably off. The Jazz are at 12, Houston at 13, San Antonio at 14, and Oklahoma City at 15. Um. So again, Denver number one offensive team, Minnesota number two, Phoenix three, Clippers four if Paul George returns, five New Orleans, six the Lakers, seven San Antonio, eight Golden State, nine Portland, 10 Dallas, 11 Memphis, 12 Utah, 13 is Houston, 14 is San Antonio and 15 is Oklahoma City what happens when you put defense what happens when you put defense into this mix which is not the necessarily strength of my system who becomes the number one team in the west and why are the jazz 12th we'll check on those things as we continue today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at bet online where you can get all the odds news scores and more it makes you makes you wonder what you should do with Minnesota and Denver on your over under at bet online by the way Tonight, Kansas City is a 7-point favorite over the Raiders. If you want to get in on the action, you can go over to betonline.net and check all that out. Alright, our system add the, uh, my system had or whatever, I don't want to put it on you guys. Denver's at 50.5. This might lean toward an over. Golden State's at 52. That might lean to an under. Dallas is at 48.5. This might lean toward an under. The Um, the Pelicans are at 45. This might lead to a series over on the Pelicans as well. It's all at betonline.net. Check it out and get the latest news, scores, podcasts, the rest and all the gambling information that's out there. Betonline.net. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Oops. The wrong button on, for those of you on YouTube there for a second. You probably heard it on the podcast. All right. So why are the... So if you add defense, projecting kind of off last year's systems, I had the Warriors as the best defense in the league. I don't know if I still believe that after all the shenanigans of last week. Minnesota as the second best defense. Phoenix as the third. Memphis as the fourth. Clippers as the fifth. Dallas sixth. Denver seven. New Orleans eight. Lakers nine. Sacramento 10. Portland 11, but I think lower. Jazz, San Antonio 11. Utah 12. Portland 13. Houston and Oklahoma City. And if you look at that, the number 1 seed in the West this year becomes the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is not great for our draft pick. But I don't think we were projecting a lot this year. So Minnesota becomes the number 1 seed in the Western Conference in this system. No surprise with my system loves Rudy. I do too. Um and I wouldn't be surprised at all. The number 2 Phoenix with Denver 3, Golden State 4, those would be the home court advantage Five, the surprise is New Orleans. And six, the Lakers without the play-in. The play-in game, according to this, becomes the Clippers, Memphis, Dallas, and Sacramento. It is is going to be thin up top there. There's not going to be a lot of room for screwing around. It is going to be wild and interesting to watch. It is really going to be incredible. So I'll say it again. Minnesota won. Is the projection here? Phoenix two, Denver three, Golden State four, New Orleans five, Lakers six, play in game, Clippers, Memphis, Dallas, Sacramento. Wow. So why does the Jazz offense come in at twelfth? Um so a few things here. One is, you know, you got to distribute the possessions and obviously Donovan and Rudy were using a lot of them. So you have Colin Sexton using, I have Colin Sexton using 18, Jordan Clarkson using 14, scoring opportunities, not possessions, Malik Beasley, uh, Lowry Marketing using 13, Malik Beasley using 12, Mike Conley using 11, which is right on his number from last year. Uh, and then it's six for Jared Vanderbilt, which is right on his number from last year, six for Taylor Horton Tucker, which is down from his 10 last year. So that might be 10 for Kelly Olenek. I forgot to mention, which is a little bit up from last year and seven for Nikhil Alexander Walker. So those were the main guys I have using our possessions. Um, I don't have Jared Butler and I didn't have Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay's numbers were not good last year, so that would not help us. Um, Here's what ends up happening. Alexander Walker last year in points gained was one of the five least efficient offensive players. So when you suddenly give him seven possessions, it hurts you. When Jordan Clarkson last year, as, as good as he was, was actually a minus one points gained, is a pretty that's a pretty low number. And so suddenly that 14 hurts you. Talon Orton Tucker last year, points gained, was a minus 1.2 per game. Suddenly give him six possession. The goal is to not have negative possessions. Well... Malik Beasley's a minus 0.5 on the rating system. Horton Tucker's a minus 1.2. Jordan Clarkson's a minus 1.0. Alexander Walker's a minus 2.0. We suddenly have about half of our possessions as being inefficient offensive players. What we don't have, and maybe Walker Kessler, who I actually don't have really projected very well in here, maybe Walker Kessler becomes this, maybe somebody else becomes this, is last year we had Rudy at plus three, number two in the entire NBA in points gained, only behind Nikola Jokic, which is why you have Denver as number one and Minnesota's number two offensively. Those dominating efficient offensive players have a massive impact and in in the game, it's why these dunkers are undervalued. We don't really have that player. Right? Jared Vanderbilt's not that player, Kelly Linick, Lowry Markin, and we, we we don't have a wildly positive player. In fact, the most positive player I have is I have Kessler projected as a plus 1.12. I'm kind of making that up. I don't have any idea. Um, And I don't have him using very many possessions. We don't... We just don't have a highly efficient... Sexton's fine. He's about average for a guard, which is good. Um, And Mike Conley is too. Um, But I don't... But we don't have that highly positive offensive player that pushes your whole roster over. Nor does Dallas, actually. That's what's interesting about Dallas... Is if you take Dwight Powell, who's been their guy out of their rotation, which it feels like they might be doing with Christian Wood, then they really then that hurts them a great deal. Um, Golden State has it in Steph Curry, which is superhuman, but they're missing it with you know some some other players along the way, and I think that's a part of why they don't come out very well. As Rudy, you know, Rudy's plus three point five and Towns is plus three. That's that's a hell of an offense. Denver's points gained. Jokic is plus three point eight. Michael Porter, if he's back, is a plus two point five. If he's, you know, if he's right, and we're project, you we don't project injuries here. Um, and then they actually add Jeff Green, who's a point nine, almost a one. Aaron Gordon's a one. It's hard. Like there's only ten guys that are, you know, three or better. There's only about twenty two guys that are two or better. So when you suddenly start dropping the negative numbers, it really pulls you down a little bit. So as talented and skilled as our offense is, the Reason it didn't come out great in this projection and versatile as our offense is, we don't have the dominant, like big plus efficient players taking, you know, 10 of our 80 possessions a night or 10 of our 80 scoring opportunities a night and putting them way into the positive. And we do have a, a plethora of players who are in the negative. And, and without that counterbalance, then it becomes very hard for us to have a highly level, high level, efficient offensive team. We'll see whether that holds or not. These are just projections and predictions and numbers and spreadsheets and things like that. But we'll see. It's just an interesting kind of way to look at it. And you know, we didn't come out um, brilliantly offensively last year, and we were the number one offense in the league. So you know, we could you can take it with a grain of salt. We've not always this has had some successes. It also has some misses. Memphis and the New Orleans Pelicans over the years have been two of my kind of consistent misses. Um, on just the way they play structurally. That is locked on Jazz today. We'll see. Tomorrow we get ready for the San Antonio Spurs in our second preseason game. Um, tomorrow, a fun conversation. We'll talk about. Kind of what? A, what an interesting and entertaining year this is going to be as individuals try to learn and develop a new skills along the way, and it'll be really it'll be a fun conversation tomorrow. Um, and I think what's going to make this season so enjoyable uh, as a fan of this team and rooting for these players. All right, it is locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks for making us your first list of the day. Great NFL content at Locked On NFL, or go get ready for the draft with NBA Big Board. It is locked on Jazz, your team every day. Hey, Prime members.